Hey guys, and welcome to episode number four of the Team Made Podcast, where we explore the art and science of collaboration, creation, and achievement. In a world often fixated on self-made narratives, we challenge the notion that success is solely the result of individual effort. We proudly champion the ethos of Team Made, not Self-Made. Okay, so this is first of many solo episodes that I will be doing. Um, so if you're watching the video, obviously here I have my computer. I took down a lot of notes here um, just to have more of a structure so I don't get lost into what we're about to dive into together. Um, and like I said, it's the first solo episode of many that'll come because I'm super committed to consistently release some episodes uh, every Wednesday, every Sunday, each and every week, whether it's solo episodes or uh, in-studio guest episodes, whether that's one guest, two guests, or maybe even more eventually. But I have a lot of cool episodes and a lot of cool guests um, on the way, on my wish list also, that I would like to eventually uh, have a conversation with. And I often refer to the podcast episodes with a guest or guest too um, as conversations and rather than interviews that's kind of the goal here and you know as you could tell by the title of uh, what i came up with to to title this podcast team made not self-made so it's gonna get interesting um and you know like i said i'm committed to these episodes whether it's solo whether it's you know the guest podcast episodes i'm very very committed and i'm gonna do my best to stay consistent also because like many of you probably watching and or listening to me right now consistency is a very difficult thing to have and you know i'm guilty of that so hopefully you guys could keep me accountable as well but let's dive into this episode right away i don't want to go for too long i want to aim for maybe 15 minutes or so of these solo episodes kind of make them express uh so that you can enjoy them maybe in a car on a car ride a quick run um cardio session when you're at the gym or or whatnot so today's episode and you could probably already see it with the title of this one it's the power of quitting lessons from my youth and as you'll get to listen to these solo episodes these are really topics that I want to share with you all based off of my experiences, whether it was playing hockey, competitive hockey at a very young age, winning physique competitions, turning pro in those physique competitions, uh, diving my nose into a lot of business endeavors, specifically a lot of e-commerce, uh, whether that was photography, whether it was, it's my fitness coaching business, whether that was a clothing brand that, that I owned. A lot of the um, experiences and the episodes and the subjects that we will discuss together and that I will dive into is really going to be just about my experiences, how I dealt with certain things, how I still uh, use difficult scenarios uh, to my advantage, so to speak, up until this day. So yeah, and um, that's pretty much the goal. So uh, I know a lot of it could either benefit a lot of you, um, benefit myself, just because I'll be kind of going back into these subjects. And uh, it's going to be some good, cool conversation pieces that I could interact with you guys, whether it's in the comments, DMs or whatnot. So when I was 15 years old, I had an experience that brought me down so much. And I still remember to this day. And I spoke to one of the, I think the first uh, episode, the first episode, it was in French. I had mentioned this and actually recently too, again, I had mentioned this and I always get goosebumps and a kind of a light bulb uh, clicked in my mind that I was like, I got to share this. I got to speak to you about this 
scenario because I keep bringing it up. It holds a lot of value. It taught me so much. And, you know, looking back at this at my age now, 29 years old, soon to be 30, not yet, but soon, um, you know, I, I think it's going to uh, be very beneficial for you guys to listen to what I have to say. Uh, and I just would want to share it more publicly. So, yeah, and it's 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 something that I that I really want to discuss just because I get goosebumps from it every time I mention to it, every time I'm in a conversation and I discuss it and I, I talk about this. So, uh, and if you're wondering, if you're watching the video and you're not just listening to the audio, I, I have my computer here, just like I said, because I don't want to lose, uh, get off track and I want to make sure I cover everything. So I took down some notes, uh, make sure I want to, again, cover everything I need to and not jump too quick or come back on my footsteps. So um, just to make it a bit more clear. Um, yeah. You know, I, I have my fair share of experiences with both successes and fail failures. And I really wanted to look back and share what that quitting experience was like at 15 years old, how significant it was just to lay out such a good foundation looking back on it now. And realizing how big of a catalyst that quitting experience was, whether you want to label it as giving up, whether you want to label it like I am as quitting, there was such a powerful lesson through that. And I'm super, very grateful that I kind of walked away from what we're about to dive into. Um, and yeah, I, I had quit. So, um, let's kind of get into it. Uh, enough of me kind of rambling, but let's dive into it right away. I'm going to take you back to the 15 year old Joey, the 15 year old me, uh, as you might've seen or listened to, uh, some episodes, uh, or even some posts on social media over the years, as you may know, uh, I have a background in ice hockey. I played ice hockey at pretty much all my life growing up very competitive. Uh, I gave that career up, um, with the aspiration of obviously playing professional hockey. Um, I kind of shut the door on that just because it was another opportunity for me in obviously my, my fitness, uh, in the fitness domain, in the social media space. I went headfirst in that. I put all my eggs in one basket, dove into that. And obviously it led to where I am today. Uh, I succeeded at many things, failed at many things, tried out different things, but yeah, all my life grew up playing hockey and this experience that I'm about to share with you all is an experience specifically when uh, I was in the midst of trying out for a couple teams and I was 15 years old. So here in, in Canada, in Quebec to be specific, we have grade 11, which is the last year of high school. And at that time I was playing, um, we'll label it as um, midget, I, I I was in my first year midget. So that's a category in, in hockey here that uh, is for your age group. So I was 15 years old and I saw a lot of my friends at my age uh, starting to apply to colleges, to CJEPs in, in other words here. Uh, we're starting to apply because obviously grade 11, it's the last year of high school. People will end up graduating, moving on. And for me, I always had the mentality that hockey for me in my life was always number one. Uh, above school. So that's just the mentality that I had. Uh, and I, it, I remember, you know, sitting in my room, it was March, March, uh, I was, it was March break. And I was like, you know, I see everyone around me applying to all these colleges, these CJEPs. 
what am I going to do? Um, I didn't want to apply and eventually attend the next year at a college in downtown Montreal and then have my hockey career and play my hockey that same year separately to my my schooling. It, there would have been too much traveling. It would have been way too difficult from where I was living to attend my practices, my games. Uh, I would have had too much effort and time dedicated to my schooling and just the traveling and also you know money towards all of um, the schooling, whether that's books, the tuition or whatnot. So I, I was like, you know, we had just, my family and I had just moved, it's been a couple of years to Mirabelle. Uh, we'll call it M City, just so that it's shorter and that you you understand what I'm talking about. So we had just moved to M City for a couple of years. Uh, I was playing hockey in another city just because I grew up playing in that other specific city. So we kept my file in uh, that other city uh, just because I was familiar with obviously the coaching staff, the the, the players I was growing up with as we were leveling, leveling up, um, moving on up into different hockey categories. So even uh, living in M city, I still just wanted to remain where I was because that was my roots. I, I was comfortable. It was my comfort space. I knew everybody. Um, and so it came to that year that that other city where I was previously living with my family kind of didn't want to have an, uh, you know, another player from an outside city because it would have just been too populated in terms of the amount of uh, athletes um, in their category and their age group. So I had to obviously kind of sign up and uh, move on into M city in terms of my hockey career. So I remember it was March break. I was sitting on my desk desktop and so I was like what do I do I got to try out for a team I wanted to play you know the best category at my age group at 15 years old that I could so I got on the computer I was like okay I'm going to message the general manager of the person in charge of the highest caliber that I could play which is called in French it's called midget espoir Uh, so it's all the best 15 year olds and when you arrive at that uh, category in that league. Um, it's not just one city. It's a combination of all the, all, a lot of cities within a certain radius, uh, that all come together to form one good team versus, you know, in the same league, you have another combination of all the cities that make one team and and so on. So I had messaged the general manager and at that time I was, like I said, 15 years old, I was five feet, uh, and a bit, so not even 5'1". I was 99 pounds. So I was very, very small, which was obviously a big struggle for me trying to pierce and level up into my hockey career uh, and play the best that I can at my age group just because, you know, I would look to the side of me in grade 11 and people would already be like 5'11", 6'4", 6'2", fully developed. I wasn't. I was way behind my years physically, which is a funny coincidence now and very ironic now. But so I hopped on my computer. I found this team that I wanted to try out for. I wanted to be a walk-on. They didn't know who I was. Nobody knew who I was in that area um, just because I never played in that area because we moved to M-City a couple of years prior. So I sent this message to the general manager saying like, hey, uh, my name is Joey Horniak. Uh, I previously played hockey in you know this city for X amount of years. Uh, I recently moved to M-City. It's been a couple of years now. Uh, they you know, the previous city and team that I was playing for doesn't want an out outer outskirt 
um, living uh, athlete to play for them. They don't accept transfers anymore. Uh, is there any possible way that this upcoming season uh, I could get a walk-on tryout for you guys? Like this summer, can I, you know, once September comes, can I get a, a tryout? Can I try out for you guys? And a couple days passed and I get a reply back from this general manager. I can't remember what his name was, but um, yeah, I got, I got the reply back and you know, funny enough, and I was kind of expecting this, the first question after saying like, Hey Joey, the first question he asked me was what uh, category of hockey did you play? And, or I might've have this flipped over, but what category of hockey did you play previously? And what is your height and what is your weight? As soon as I wrote that, uh, read that, I was like, oh God, here we go. Um, they're not even going to invite me or allow me to be a walk-on into this camp and try out for this team just because, you know, I'm super small. They don't want to invest into someone like me. So then I replied back. I was like, oh, I'm 5'6", I'm 5'7", 135 pounds. Obviously, that wasn't true. Um, I didn't have confidence in saying that I was 5 feet, 99 pounds just because I was afraid of the refusal. And I was afraid of what they would might of what they might might think of me. Um, he he then had replied back to that, saying like, "Hey, you know, awesome, come and try out." A few weeks, a few months passed. It was tryout day. There was two games that day, two like fit like two practices, two kind of games, um, just so that they could see like you know how do we divide these players up that are coming to try out? Uh, who goes where? Who goes into this? you know, midget espoir team. So I remember, uh, it was, you know, I was with my mom. My, my mom ended up driving me to this, um, hockey tryout. Now, like I said earlier, I didn't know any of the, the other kids at this age. I didn't know what the arena looked like. I had no idea who the coaching staff was, who this person that I emailed was the parents, uh, the city of what it looked like. Um, I had no clue of anything. I was just like, I'm going to show up with my hockey bag, my hockey sticks, my small lying size that I said to the general manager, I ended up showing up. And as soon as I got there, you know, maybe 10 minutes away, I started to get like that fragile stomach. I, I started to get like, Oh God, I'm not hungry. I'm not thirsty. Like nothing. I was just like, so worried I remember arriving at the arena finally, getting my hockey bag, getting my hockey sticks out of the car, walking up to the arena, opening the doors. And as soon as I opened those like glass doors, you know, even prior to that, just seeing parents outside, whether it was like them talking to each other, smoking, whatever it is, I'm just like walking by them. And I could kind of feel already that there was this eerie look feeling uh, that was just gazing at me and focusing on me just obviously because of probably my hockey bag color, because it was in a different city, different team prior and my, my size. Um, so that already didn't start well, even prior to opening the door. So I opened up the door, walk into the arena. I already felt like this darkness inside the, the lobby of the arena. And now I don't know where anything is. So I'm kind of like stumbling, you know, looking, looking around, looking at where the, the room is. I ended up finding the room. And as soon as I turned the corner, the door to the dressing room where all the players would be with their hockey bags. Uh, they're all there and the door was already open. I turn the corner, look in the room even before entering and uh, like I'm, I'm just gutted. So I go into the door, walk into the dressing room. There's about like, I'd say 
15 kids there already, maybe 12 to 15, um, 12 to 15 kids there already, just because I guess I was a bit later in terms of when I would arrive. But there was about 12 to 15 kids. I walk in and like, like I said, I, w- I was just gutted. Um, I tried to hide it. Nobody even said hello to me. No one came to shake my hand. Nobody asked uh, nothing. Um, and, you know, walking in there, I saw that everybody had such a good chemistry together because they obviously grew up together playing there. They all knew each other. Um, and I was the outsider just walking in on there randomly. And now you have me that has kind of this bullseye on my back just because it's obviously contact hockey. Um, these guys are like 6'4", 6'2", huge, huge guys that are like 15 years old. You know, it was up north also. So it's these more like developed uh, farmer, so to speak, kids. And that's where it started. I was like, oh my God, this is heavy for me. Um, walk onto the practice on the ice, everything begins. And as the practice goes on, this is about at 11 a.m. The, the practice begins and 11 a.m. We were doing drills and I was just, you know, unable to even like continue. I, I, it was like almost like an asthma attack, an anxiety attack. I just had a hard time breathing. Uh, I, did, I was just questioning everything. I was questioning everything. I felt like leaving midway through that practice. Luckily, and I don't know what held me down to that ice and kept me on that ice, but I stayed, finished up the practice. It was such a difficult, difficult one of the hardest things competitively in terms of my hockey career that I've experienced. Uh, even I think the coaches tried to get me on one-on-one drills against like their biggest uh, defensemen, their biggest players, uh, just, I guess, to test this new kid out, see what he's made of. Let's see how strong he is actually, even though he's very small. Does he actually have a heart or, you know, everything. I was thinking of all this, probably overthinking at that time. Um And so the practice finishes, I get undressed in about like less than like three minutes. It took me so fast. I didn't even shower. I, I, I left, didn't speak to anyone left, walked out of the arena. And as soon as I saw like my mom, I I started crying. I I, I said, we got to leave. I'm not coming back for the second practice, the second tryout, the second game. I'm not doing it. Um, I remember we ended up going to a a local Harvey's that was like 15 minutes away just because obviously the practice finished at like 12, 1230. Had to maybe get something, you know, to eat. Um, I remember sitting on that chair. We sat outside, uh, outside of the Harvey's because they had some tables and chairs. And I told my mom, like, that's it. I quit. Uh, I'm I'm not going back there tonight. I'm not doing it. I'm I'm done. I'm, I'm, I'm leaving. I didn't want to feel what I felt on the ice. I didn't want to feel what I felt when I walked into that dressing room, seeing all those eyeballs on me, that bullseye on my back, even the parents, just everything. Um, just like I'm, I'm even speechless now because I can't imagine, I'm just imagining someone who's maybe going through this experience at the same age that I was in this same scenario, like as of right now, playing minor hockey. And I just quit. 
It was such a heavy feeling. I, I was crying so much as if the the world was ending. I felt like I was the lone guy out, which was kind of the case. I had so much anxiety. I was overthinking. I didn't have confidence on the on the ice at that practice, and I just quit. I wasn't even able to breathe, um, and I couldn't take it anymore. And I didn't want to experience that anymore at all. Um, you know, all that sadness, all that that anxiety um, stayed with me, went back home. So I actually didn't go back to that second practice. I went back home and the day after, and obviously, you know, that, that day kind of settled back down. I kind of regained my, my neutral thoughts and, and the way I was feeling. Um, that next day, I remember my mom saying like, you know, she knew I was down because I, I was looking so forward to this tryout uh, the previous day that the next day my mom said, Hey, and I remember this, like it was yesterday. My mom said, Oh, I'm going to do some, some errands, like go to the bank, go do some a grocery. Would you like to just come with me and take your mind off of things? So I said, yes, I hopped in the, the car with her. It was like a truck that she had. Uh, obviously I followed her to do her errands and right beside the bank and the grocery store, it was like, kind of like a strip mall in like an L. Um, and I'm just trying to give you a bit of context so you could have it visually inside your mind just because I have it with me now. It was like an L, like a strip mall. So it was the grocery store, the bank. And then right beside, just at the end and end in the 90 degree of that L was a gym. And I looked at my mom when she came back in the car because I stayed in the car while she went to run in the bank and come back to the car. I was like, can we go look at the gym and sign up? And my mom looked at me and I think, you know, she was a bit hesitant like for a split second because it was so random but I think she kind of connected the dots and um, we went to the gym actually signed up that was the day after we signed up to the gym ended up getting an appointment with that trainer there who actually uh, ironically specialized in hockey players um, which was obviously very convincing I was like wow what are the chances that the gym the, the closest gym to my house that trainer at the gym specializes in hockey players that there was a gym next to the grocery store in the bank that was my mom was going to the day after that all of this happened and i i just found something in me that i guess my thoughts accumulated all of i accumulated all of these thoughts and feelings and put together everything like puzzle pieces and i was like i, I gotta do something for myself to be able to grow to be able to grow my confidence not feel like this ever again if i'm faced with a similar situation or similar scenario so went to the gym signed up had an appointment with the trainer met with the trainer i think it was like maybe within a week i know it was a month before my 16th birthday uh that's where i found out i was 99 pounds five feet and he made me a program it was for four days to begin with four days a week and I followed it to the T, like a robot. I was so military-like. It was my main focus, my main goal. It was my, I, I was so like brainwashed by following this program. I was so disciplined and, you know, knowing what to expect next time around, um, if ever I was faced with a certain situation like this, working out, be able to grow myself physically because I was my weakest link, uh, I'd like I said, wanted to be able to control and digest a scenario similar to the one that I experienced with that dressing room and on the ice feelings. Uh, I wanted to be able to, you know, be able to digest it and take it better than I did. And, um, you know, like I said, I followed that program to the T uh, four days a week. Uh, I, I think I even went sometimes like five days a week uh, just because I was like, the more I put in, the more I'm going to get out. Uh, I do, and I kept 
I remember I kept reminding myself even during my exercises, even before going to these uh, workouts, I remember telling myself two things. I need to get bigger and I need to improve my performance on the ice so that when I'm on the ice, like I'm, I'm bulletproof, you know, I have a bulletproof mindset and my physical uh, weight and my physical being and performance is like above average and above the top where I could just like lap people and where people look at me and not have the same visual as they did when I went at that tryout and practice, like, oh, we got to aim for this guy and have a bullseye, rather improve my physical and mental uh, state to be like, if they look at me, they're gonna be like, holy shit, like this guy, I don't want to approach this guy. He's whether he's too fast. We just, he works like a dog. Um, I, I just wanted that. I wanted that. And I think having that goal attached to the gym and having that previous, like, you know, I'll put it like this shitty experience that I experienced such at a young age. Um, well, from what I thought was a shitty experience, obviously now is a different story looking back on it, but um, like, yeah, it was just, I, I didn't, I didn't want to feel like that ever again. And I totally, it totally shifted my mindset and uh, I immediately just wanted to get stronger uh, into, you know, in what I was lacking. Um and ultimately improve just my self-confidence. Um, and, you know, that's obviously a, a story, a scenario that I obviously want to share uh, just because looking back on it almost like 15 years later, it, it's still very, it, it's a highlight to my foundation of, of my life of my competitive hockey career. Uh, it's it's something that, like I said earlier, when I speak of it, I still get like goosebumps, get speechless. Um, if you get me in a, on a certain day talking about it, I might even get a bit emotional. That's not the, the case today. <laughs> um, I might in another episode, but, um, you know, and I just wanted to also, if you're listening to this, if you're hearing me, if you're able to maybe connect to something that happened to you similar to what I'm speaking of, maybe in, you know, whether it's you playing a certain sport, a job, anything like that, I, I just wanted to say, like, when you find yourself facing, um, facing a decision to quit something at a young age, especially remember that quitting doesn't always mean you know, giving up on your dreams and or goals, which at the, at the time I thought it was like the end of the world. Um, I thought it was like, there was nothing after that, that I could do. That was the only team. That was the only place I'm, a, you know, if I, if it wasn't that it, it's nothing else. Uh, if I don't make that team, it, it, like I can't play for another team. I could never eventually play pro hockey or college hockey or anything like that. That was obviously when you're in it, especially at a young age, you think that's like the only thing the, the only thing that exists, and if you, you know, if you're not part of it, then there's nothing else, but, um, you know, that's what I thought. And, you know, quitting and or giving up, however you want to label it as I'm, I'm labeling it as quitting because I, I deliberately did quit. And, you know, I think giving up has a bad rep to it. So I'm just obviously using the, the term quit, but it could, especially at a young age, be such a powerful act of self-awareness and courage. And you sometimes don't even realize it at that given moment, again, at such a young age, but as the years go on and as you get older and as you um, tend to get 
more experiences in your back pocket with other different endeavors and into other different domains such as business, relationships, or whatnot, uh, you tend to look back on those type of experience and be like, yeah, you know, I did have a lot of courage. I was very self-aware to be like, you know, I'm quitting and look at where I'm at today and look what it, look what, how helpful it was to, for everything that I'm doing up, up to now and everything that I did up to this point. So, you know, if you're in a similar situation, even now listening to this, even if you're not, uh, you know, a young teenager listening or watching this, uh, you know, be sure to take a step back reflect on your true passions and priorities and understand that quitting can be a pathway to growth and self-discovery, which in my case was 100% that. It was 100% growth, 100% self-discovery. I, I learned so much about myself. I grew obviously a lot physically and grew so much mentally to now where I am today, uh, like I always label myself, label my mindset as like bulletproof. Uh, and you know, that scenario, that event in my life at a young age played such a huge role. So, you know, for my advice to young people or even someone listening or watching to this right now, if that is you, uh, if you're in a similar or if you're in a similar situation, trust your intuition, be open to change and embrace the opportunities also, embrace the opportunities also <clears throat> that, you know, arise when when you make room for new experiences and pursuits and, and know that quitting or giving something up, in other words, is not the end-all be-all and it's not like you're a loser or uh, you're not good enough either because, you know, having the words quit and giving up and or even failure might be linked from what a lot of the outside people are, are saying, you know, you... It's often misunderstood. It's misunderstood, misviewed, you know, quitting, giving up, failure often falls into the column for a lot of people like, you know, I'm a loser, I'm not good enough, but that's really not the case. There's a lot of learning aspects about that. About that. There's a lot of uh, tools for it to be a catalyst to, to get to a better level and or be introduced to other things, which in my situation was obviously working out in the gym and that's what I do for a living now. Um, and I've helped a lot of people, you know, obviously de develop their physique and develop their, uh, performances for their given, uh, sports in their lives. So, um, sometimes quitting is the first step on a journey to something even more meaningful and fulfilling. Um, when you're in it, it feels like I said, the end of the world and that there's nothing else good that awaits, but I'm going to say it again, that's not the case. So I just want to throw that out there. And, um, you know, this experience that I just shared with you, um, like I said, is such a big highlight. And whether, whether this was facing mental challenges, sports encounters, relationships, or whatever, um, I went through this very young, so my body and mind kind of got conditioned. Um, and the more reps you, 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 you're confronted with, or the more times you're confronted with scenarios like this that put, you know, put you to the test and put you in a state where you have to be self-aware and make a decision for yourself, um, you get conditioned. You learn to um, break down the situation better. You learn to also 
you know, step back and stay composed. Uh, like I said, be self-aware and consider that many things in life always happen for a reason. And I know that for some, the quote or the saying like, ah, oh, everything happens for a reason kind of sounds like cheesy or often too much thrown out there, but it's, it's really true. And Sometimes at that given moment, you never, you, you rarely know what the reason is and you only find out the reason later on in life or when you're confronted with another event or situation that you're like, oh damn, that's the reason. That's why I went through that shitty situation, that tough situation, that emotional um, situation. Um, but it always leads to a better outcome. You just develop and grow more as a person to be able to, you know, like I said, confront these situations better and to deal with these situations better. And uh, it can only benefit and be a growth tool uh, moving forward. So, um, and I truly believe that, especially at a young age, it's actually, in my point of view, important to go through these rough and tough times, uh, whether that be quitting something, not whether it be quitting something, not succeeding at the given moment, being told uh, no, or even losing a loved one. It just, it shapes you. It gives you some tools that you could carry along in your toolbox for the rest of your life. And that's a metaphor I like to use the whole toolbox tools, um, aspect, just because you were able to acquire that tool, kind of like in a video game. Also, like you acquire that tool, you have that tool as like your superpower that you could use for when, you know, you're at a certain level or when you're confronting a certain boss or, you know, something like that. So it's cool because you're able to gain those tools store those tools in your toolbox or in your shed, depending on how many tools you end up getting and use them later on in life. And the, the most important key point about this, especially at a young age, is that you still have many years ahead of you. And like I said earlier, when I was at that 15 year old Joey, um, I was like, that's the end all be all. There's nothing else. That's the only team. That's the only place I could play, blah, 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 blah. But Looking back, I'm like, you know, you're, you're 15 years old, even 20, even 25. There's so many years ahead of you that you could like fail or give up or quit a hundred different things and still end up succeeding and, you know, still keep moving forward positively. But I understand that when you're in a situation, it's, it's those feelings and nothing else. You're living it at that moment. So you can't really think of anything else, but just know that there's years ahead of you. And I don't care if you're 40 years old, if you're 15 years old, like I was, if you're 50, you still got many years ahead of you. And just know that it doesn't take a lot of time either for, you know, your body to change. If that's your goal, it doesn't take a lot of time for you to generate more money, to meet someone, to succeed at your given endeavor or whatever you have that you're pursuing or whatever your goal is. It doesn't take a lot of time. Yes, it takes patience, but you know, it doesn't take that much time. And one year, again, if that's the, the duration of the ROI of what you're doing, the return of investment that you're putting in one year is not a lot. For example, it goes by so fast. And, you know, I just wanted to remind you of that. And as I'm sitting here talking to you about this, um, about my situation, sharing uh, my experience at such a young age of what I dealt with when I was 15 years old, which was like, uh, like, you know, the goosebump feeling even now speaking about it. I have two questions for you. So whether you're watching and or listening to this, number one, are there areas and you, you ask yourself this, ask yourself this, listen to me asking you this question or these questions. Number one, are there areas 
Are there areas, sorry, where you might be holding onto something that no longer serves you? Ask, ask yourself that question. Number two, can you identify situations or pursuits where quitting could lead to personal growth and a happier, more fulfilling life? You know, ask yourself those two questions. And if you, I spoke too fast, come back, rewind it, come back to this and ask yourself those two questions. If it's not asking yourself at this given moment, write it down or come back to this uh, podcast episode. Ask yourself these because I think self-awareness plays a huge role into making the right decisions, um, being reassured of where you are at this given moment, being reassured of the decision and or decisions that you'll end up making and or will make. Um, so ask yourself those two questions. Uh, if you kind of have a connection with me as of right now, listening to this and listening to what I went through and remember that this is it. Remember, you know, that the, the decision to quit, that was a tongue twister is a deeply personal one, depending on, you know, where you are at in life. And it's not a sign of weakness, but of wisdom and self-awareness. I kind of said this earlier in terms of the self-awareness and courage, but again, it's just a reminder, embrace the idea that quitting can clear the path for new opportunities, passions, and self-discovery. I know I'm repeating myself, but just to finish, you know, this episode and to just kind of summarize everything and bring, you know, close the circle back in onto everything, take the lessons that I've shared today and apply them to your own life. And don't be afraid to embark uh, on your own journey of growth and transformation, because at the end of the day, that's what, it, that's what it's all about. It's all about learning, growing, transforming. And that's what it, that's what it was for me. And that's how I'm sharing my experience. And uh, even up to this day, that's, you know, looking back on everything, I'm like, yeah, I grew a lot. Uh, I'm still transforming. Uh, I learned a ton about staying composed, being more self-aware, uh, learning that there's more ahead of me, learning that there's a lot of opportunities out there. There's more do doors, you know, one door closes, three, four, five, ten end up opening. Uh, and, you know, I've experienced it a lot of times that I know that that's true. Uh, so, yeah, to finish, you know, message me on socials, uh, email me or even comment on this episode if you had a similar experience and or even if you're going through something right now. Um, remember, you know, we're a team. I'm do I know this is a solo episode, but like the podcast is, you know, we're a team. Together, everyone achieves more, hence team made. Uh, I'm not a huge believer into self-made and that only, you know, grew onto me over time. So I truly... Uh, champion the ethos of team made. Like I said earlier, um, we should as well, you know, help each other, be there for one another and achieve great things together. And, you know, we're always stronger as a team. So uh, hopefully you just, you know, you enjoyed this, uh, this episode. Uh, it was maybe longer than, than I expected, but uh, you know, it's my first solo episode. There's going to be a lot more. I'm going to be sharing a lot more experiences of my life, whether that was business, uh, physique competitions, my training, uh, my nutrition, my lifestyle, obviously my hockey background and foundation, because that's such a huge um, part of my life. Uh, so I appreciate everyone watching, listening, and uh, tuning into today's episode. Obviously, I don't have a guest, so 
you know, it's just me. So I appreciate you tuning in, listening to what I had to say and share. Uh, and yeah, if you made it this far, don't forget to subscribe. If you're watching from YouTube, um, you know, follow the episode wherever you're listening to it, whether that's Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Spotify, uh, Google Podcasts. Rate the episode if, if you can. If you want to take a, a few minutes, that's going to help me tremendously. It's some great uh, feedback analytics that I could look back on and know that I'm doing, you know, a great job and that you enjoy these episodes and these shareful, thoughtful episodes. And uh, leave me some feedback. And, you know, don't be shy to comment or reach out to me in my DMs or emails. And uh, if I could be of help for you, if I could be of service, let me know. I would appreciate if you just give this episode a thumbs up, subscribe, like I said, to my YouTube channel, and uh, stay tuned for the next episode every Wednesday and Sunday, whether it's solo, with a guest, or more. So thanks for tuning in, and I'll see you guys in the next one.